This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. August is coming to a close, and that means Cocktails 101 is wrapping up. And also that means we're on to some new things in September as we celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month. But remember, like I said, we're closing out Cocktails 101 this month with Jake Solik as he talks about the Daisy, which is also the Margarita cocktail recipe we'll get into that and what you can expand from that and in our bar conversations we talked to rising country artist emily miller uh she's a fun chat and a lot of cool things there like i said a lot of fun coming up whiskey weeks 2022 our third annual o2 national bourbon heritage month kicks off when the calendar flips to september it'll be a part of our cocktail 30 series uh this podcast our hops and spirits kentucky podcast and so much more you can get more at hopspirits.com or follow us on social media Let's get to it. It's almost time. Where did I where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for tasting notes. We're closing out Cocktails 101 here on Tasting Notes this month with a very fun recipe. And back again to get us through this and to teach us so many things is Jake Salek, the Beverage Director Partner with the Professors LLC. Jake, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Well, like I said, I love having you on here. I appreciate it as always. I learn so much, even if I'm not able to always uh, do these simple recipes because it's me. Um, I do appreciate everything that you pass along. <laughs> of course. Thank you. And, you know, we're on to our fourth and final recipe. We did the sour first, the old fashioned second, Manhattan last week. So if you missed any of those, go check them out. Now we're on to the daisy or I guess in modern day terms, the margarita. Yeah, that's right. You don't see the word daisy used very often, but if you go back to the earliest cocktail books from the 1860s, 70s, and 1880s, uh, what we were creating at the time was a cocktail called a daisy, and it actually uses our sour template, which if you remember is half an ounce of a sugar syrup, three quarter ounces of a citrus juice, and then two ounces of a base spirit. So the daisy starts with that principle. Basically, that this is a, a working, well-balanced cocktail. And what the daisy said is, um, and this is really important to know for home bartending, liqueurs are different than spirits. Spirits are distilled products with no added sugar. So even something like rum that we think of as being sweet doesn't actually have any added sugar in it. It's a completely distilled product. Liqueurs are required by law to have sugar added to them. So when you get something like an orange liqueur, like a triple sec, it has to have a minimum amount of sugar in it. So when you're making cocktails at home, liqueurs can be substituted for sugar syrups for nearly the same result. And this is the, the principle that drives the Daisy cocktail. The old books have it made in a lot of different ways, a lot of different variations. But uh, an easy way to do it now is to simply take part of your spirit and sweetener in your sour template and actually substitute a flavored liqueur. And that's going to allow it to balance out. Um, there were dozens and dozens of recipes for these in, in the old days, but today the most popular one is going to be a margarita. A margarita is simply a daisy. That, that is wild, <laughs> wild to think about that, that, that it, it is something that is so akin to that that first recipe of a sour, but that goes back to what you've, you've always talked about is how you can replace kind of different parts of this as long as you kind of keep the same principles in mind with those basic three tenets. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, the way that I do the my modern margarita, I kind of take apart the sour a little bit, but as long as you understand the, the basic principles, it, it still works. So instead of using two ounces of the base spirit, we're only gonna use one and a half ounces. Uh, and that's because we're gonna be adding some more of a liqueur, and liqueurs are alcoholic, so we're gonna be taking down the strength of the cocktail a little bit, but also adding some sweetness to it. Of course, we still have three quarter ounces of our citrus juice, let's say lime juice, for example, for a margarita. And then instead of half an ounce of a sugar syrup, we're gonna use three quarter ounces of our liqueur. In the margarita's case, let's say we're using a really nice triple sec, um, such as Cointreau. Um, and so then your recipe becomes one and a half, three quarter, three quarter. Now that can be a little bit too tart for some people. Um, depending on what kind of orange liqueur you're using. In that case, you can just add a quarter ounce of simple back into it. For a margarita, I like to use agave simple syrup. It'll add a little bit more texture, a little bit more sweetness. It's strange when you taste a simple syrup, it's discernibly sweet. But there are certain, sometimes you'll taste a liqueur and it'll be very thick and syrupy and sweet. But other liqueurs, won't quite have the same perception of sweetness on the palate, and so sometimes you have to add a little bit of sugar, but that's the fun of making cocktails at home. You can make three different ones all at once and kind of taste which one suits your palate the best. And I think that's with all of this is kind of where we're getting to. Is you, this is a, these are fun, easier ways to get to your palate, um, to, to what you, you like. And with the margarita and the daisy, I feel like a lot of people when they hear margarita, they're like, oh, I can just get tequila and then one of those big bottles of things. Yeah. And I feel like that can be a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it can. Uh, I've, I've never been a fan of the, the pre-made mixes. Uh, and I've had a lot of them throughout the years. I'm, 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 I'm not a hater abstractly. I like to try this stuff. Uh, but it never, the fresh squeezed nature of, of lime, the acidity on the palate is never the same to me as the artificial citric acid and malic acid blends that you get in those big jugs. Uh, I think it's, it's really easy to buy three or four limes and juice these to order at home. If you're having a lot of people over, then you could batch a large pitcher of margarita ahead of time using this recipe. But if you're at home, you can squeeze you know two or three limes. You're gonna have about three ounces of lime juice and then you're good to go to make three margaritas. It's pretty easy to do. And then, too, when we kind of get back to the basics of, of the margarita, the daisy, it does sound like you can kind of mix it and match and maybe make a bourbon margarita and so forth as you're just flipping out some of the different um, uh, base spirits. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some of our most famous cocktails comes from the daisy template. You know, in the, uh, see, the 1920s and 30s, one of the best-selling cocktails in the world was the sidecar. The sidecar is actually just a brandy daisy. Uh, similarly, uh, during Prohibition, a cocktail that became really popular was the White Lady. The White Lady is really just a, a kind of gin daisy. Um, and this recipe would uh, change and morph over the decades into more of an equal, uh, an equal parts recipe. And this sort of like evolved daisy would give birth to things like the last word just kind of like an entirely different beast, but it has its origins in this really simple sour recipe that also includes a liqueur. And is there anything you need to watch out with when you're kind of mixing with the liqueur instead of say that simple syrup or, or something like that? 
Yeah, there there is. You go to the liqueur shelf in a in a big box store like Total Wine or, or Liquor Barn these days, and there's a lot to choose from. You want to make sure that you're choosing something that's strictly a liqueur. Uh, for a margarita, you want you want a kind of orange liqueur. You don't necessarily want uh, another category of liqueurs, which are called amari. Amari uh, started their life out in Italy. They're made all around the world now. They're legally liqueurs in that they have a lot of sugar, but they're also very, very bitter. So we're talking about things like Campari. Although it's technically a liqueur, if you throw it into the daisy recipe, it's going to be very, very bitter, and it's going to kind of throw off your balance. So you want to make sure you start with um, just a, a regular liqueur. I always recommend Cointreau is a great brand. Um, Grand Marnier is an excellent brand. Uh, there's a cognac house, uh, Pierre Ferrand. They make a really great dry carousel. That I, that I always stock in my bar. Well, I, I love to hear that. And it's always one of those things where you got to be careful when you go into some liquor stores because there's so many options yeah. these days and you don't want to grab the wrong one. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jake, I appreciate it as always, and I can't wait to see what we talk about next. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversation, she's a country singer, songwriter, and uh, I think she's going to have a lot of fun tonight with us. Please welcome in Emily Miller. Emily, welcome. Hello. Glad to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you, and I always like to ask this question, and it sounds like you were prepared. So you got anything good tonight? Because, well, I don't have anything from where you're from originally. I got a little bit from Ohio. And if you go to Columbus, a little Middle West Spirits, a little uh, rye, whiskey, dark pumpernickel. So you got anything good tonight? You know what? To be honest, no, I do not. I I just have good old-fashioned water with ice in my my Yeti cup. I'm getting over, uh, I'm still dealing with laryngitis here. And so I'm, I'm trying to be good. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard though, uh, I've had a few folks tell me this on the show that, you know, before they go out, they take a shot of whiskey or something to warm up those vocal cords. You know, I've heard that many times. And it, uh, one of my shows the other night that somebody tried to get me to do, I think it was a Jack and honey shot. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I know that if it makes me feel better now, it's just tomorrow when I have another show, I'm just going to so we, we we're just sticking with water these days until I'm fully healed. That that is quite understandable. Now, do you enjoy it? An occasional uh, your drink, whiskey, wine, beer, something like that. Any, anything yeah. that every everyone's. I don't drink very much, but um, and it it never it's it's not great for the vocal cords because it's dehydrating. I'm a big diet coke drinker, and so mm. like that's my drink of preference. Um, but if if I'm going to go with something, it's anything with tequila in it, mixed with tequila or just tequila. I'm that that's my that's where I enjoy the most. <laughs> well, and I've heard because tequila and how it's done, and as long as they're not adding anything to it. And you're not putting in any of that, you know, fake sugar mixer. Usually, you feel better because it's better, one of the better ones for you. Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll remember that next time. 
And, you know, I always like to ask this, too, because I always I'm curious, you know, some people have some some weird talents beyond their music career. Do you have any unique talents that people may not know about you? You know, I I don't know if it's like a unique talent or anything. I have hobbies that like most people like think I'm weird for. Like I I, I moved into a house, my first house uh, last year and I've enjoyed doing yard work and keeping my yard like if if there's people trespassing like the HOA keeps mowing like every single week on the side of my yard and it's been it's it's been making me a little testy and so I got landscaping and I put it in so they can't go through the side of my yard. And and so it's like, I, I just do the little things and I also enjoy gardening. I've done tomatoes and I um, just planted pumpkin seeds and I'm hoping Ooh. I get a pumpkin before like pumpkin season's over. <laughs> and um, I don't know, but I have two sprouts right now. So I'm, I'm a little excited about that, but stuff like that, cleaning, organizing, those are like my my nerd girl like hobbies I enjoy I don't know hey, that's it's all zen right it's all just takes you away from the craziness of the music world it really and puts does. you in a, in a good spot there's nothing better than a clean house I just I just I live for a clean house <laughs> now you say you, you do gardening are you doing like raised bed gardening or do you have like half of your your yard or are you just slowly building up with some potted plants and things like that i i have like a, a trough thing and and mm-hmm. on my back porch that i it it's about three feet long and so i i just plant my seeds i made a mistake last year was my first year doing it my my grandpa by career was a gardener um and so i but he passed over a decade ago and I but I was like I wish he was still here that I could ask these questions because I had tomato hornworms last year which are like these massive like caterpillar looking things and I did made the mistake of you know like on the package it says plant one or put one seed every two feet well I was like there's no way this one seed can go that far so I just like started dumping you know the seeds it was massive absolutely massive crazy and so i made the mistakes this year i only did a few and and i already got rid of them i was like you know what i'm over i'm over tomatoes i love tomatoes but i'm over tomatoes so now we're on to pumpkins i like it i like it we we we, we've learned a lot along the way and by by we i mean my wife she's she's the gardener by by trade now which she's come a long way from only being able to keep a a succulent alive for the longest time Uh, but yeah we we, we've learned that uh you don't need as much as you think and uh things will overtake a garden uh, yeah (laughs) very quickly yeah now you know beyond gardening i I guess this kind of works too because you that gardening's working with your hands you play instruments, you, you know, you, you play, I believe, piano, guitar. I mean, what drew, drew you to those instruments and playing instruments? Because not every musician uh, does that these days. Oh, yeah. My mom um, signed, I was, I, we had just moved um, to a new house, a new school district uh, when I was six years old. And um, my mom signed me and my older sister up for piano lessons like before or after school I can't remember which one was which and and so I absolutely hated it like I wanted nothing <laughs> to do with it my sister like she she was fine with it but she also like she's not musically gifted and so she's just like eh. and and so I just started 
keeping up with it and um along the way I started actually liking it and I I learned classically and um and that was just not my thing and I I did my best but I also became very good at sight reading music because I wouldn't practice because these songs weren't <laughs> what I wanted to do. And and so I would show up. I had this Brazilian piano teacher and she it scared me in some ways, but then she was also just fun and in other ways. And so I would show up every Saturday. I went to like Saturday lessons after that out of her house and I would show up every week not practicing and I had to act like I practiced because I wasn't going to let anybody know I didn't practice. So I became really good at sight reading, which transpired into singing and playing guitar now and even now in shows taking requests. I I just keep do my best. I just start looking at the chords and I'm able to sight read it. Um, and then later on, I think when I was 12 or 13, my parents got me my first guitar and my dad always played guitar growing up. And so I kind of saw that around the house and I was like, I can do that. And I always thought my dad was so good at guitar and then, um, and my, my little girl self. And then when I started learning guitar, I was like, well, he doesn't even sound very good. I can do this. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, so I took lessons and um, I was dating a guy that was kind of my guitar player. And he, when we broke up, I had shows on the books and I wasn't that great a guitar player. Like it was the same as kind of piano at the time. And I was like, I wasn't that great. And so I was forced to sit down and learn it like as much. And I'm a visual learner. So I was like watching how p other people were playing. And, um, and then all of a sudden I now can play five, six hours or more. However long I can do double shows all by myself. And, and so, but yeah, I guitar and piano just kind of fell into my lap over doing things and, and the rest is history. <laughs> now, do you play any other instruments or any future goals to learn any other instruments or two and you're good? You know, well, I, I'd like to, I, I own a banjo and I'd love to learn how to play the banjo Will it probably ever happen? No, I, I don't know if I'm that gifted, and I, I, I'd love to learn to play the fiddle, but that's another thing that I'll probably like never happen. And I've heard that it's pretty hard to play, especially if you're coming from the guitar background, because it's the opposite strings and less strings and this, that, and the other. And so, I don't know. I, I at the moment, those are the only two that I claim to play um i've got a kazoo in my guitar bag if that if that's like an instrument i don't know my guitar player now he like wants nothing to do with the kazoo but i bought everyone in my band a kazoo and we we play them we we do elvira with the kazoo we do we do ring of fire with the kazoo at our shows but um but besides the kazoo we'll add the kazoo besides the kazoo the guitar and the piano i don't i don't do anything else <laughs> well, those are, are, are pretty good ones regardless. And you mentioned the classical music training because you kind of kept going down that route, though, for a good while. You know, you I think you played the Cincinnati College Conservative of Music, Music Hall Festival, Choir Soloist at some orchestras. Why, why continue that if maybe that wasn't what you loved, but was that just something you were good at and kind of wanted to keep doing and love music? 
It, it really, it, it was one of those things that I was just naturally gifted at. And there's very few things that I claim to be naturally gifted <laughs> in. And, um, and it was one of those, um, one of my teachers in school said, you should sign her up for voice lessons. And so we started voice lessons. And that's kind of, you know, the, the basics of singing. They, they make you do the classical stuff. And um, and it became one of those things where, like I said, I was just naturally good at it. And I won competitions. I got scholarships. I, um, and I got accepted into a lot of different colleges for classical music. And, um, and I just, it, it, I was naturally good at it. It was another thing I didn't practice. I just showed up and, and did my best. And it was, like I said, I'm not very good at a lot of things, but that that's that's one of the things that I was just naturally gifted at. And so I showed up and um, did my thing. And I, I But when it came down to college and like what I wanted to do for a living, um, I just, it, it, it wasn't there. I, I always joke I'm too much of a hee-haw to, to sing classical music. But even in college, my my um, classical teachers. Um, he performed at like the Met in New York, which is one of the biggest venues in New York for classical music. And he was like, I can get you a job. I can get you a job. Just do this. And I was like, I can't. I, I, I just, I can't. I'm like, if, if the minute they hear me say y'all or say something about my, one of my favorite, one of, a lot of my friends, they make fun of me because I'll say like, you're walking like a corn cob stuck up your butt. I'm like, those kind of phrases don't exactly go over well in the classical world. <laughs> I don't think Bob said corn cob stuck up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it could bring a little bit of country flair to the classical world. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so so clearly classical wasn't your route, but, you know, if you're saying those things, saying y'all, you're living in Nashville now, country music clearly was. So what drew you to country music, and when did that kind of become uh, something for you? Um, country music had kind of always been there for me. Uh, my... Um, grandparents and everyone my parents had kind of listened to it I grew up mainly listening to Christian um, music like old hymns I went to a traditional church and so we I grew up around a lot of the basic um, great hymns and I still love those very much and so that kind of led me into listening to the classical st or the country stuff and um and I just that that was what I was doing when I didn't want to practice classical music. I was I was listening to the Rebas, the Trisha Yearwoods, the Alan Jackson. I was listening to those people in my off time and when I wasn't in school. And even when, like the days that we were allowed to bring music to school um, and headphones, like I was listening to country music. And um, and so it was just one of those things that was kind of always always there and something that I very early fell in love with just the storytelling and the songwriting of country music. And so were, were those country classic country folks kind of your influences then, or did you have some other genres? I know you mentioned some, some, you know, church music, cause that, there are a lot of folks, it's not hard to see a, uh, a little bit of that in there and, and what they do, yeah. but I mean, any other genres or was it always kind of those, you know, eighties, nineties country guys and girls? Yeah, it, 
It was mainly that. Um, I, I also grew up in the what I call the prime of Miranda Lambert and Carrie <laughs> Underwood and um, and and people like that. And so in Jason Aldean, like I listened to a lot of that kind of stuff. And the, the I always say my favorite time period is like the '80s through the early, I'd say like 2000, 2007, 2008 country music, right before the bro country kind of took over. Like that pre, pre we'll just say pre Florida Georgia line kind of stuff. <laughs> Is more is more my 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 wheelhouse, but uh, but no, I, I'd say I did listen to. I was growing up. I loved me some Hannah Montana, and that was like that was my that was my show. I wanted to be Hannah Montana, and and so Hannah the Hannah Montana. I listened to a lot of those kind of people. So I listened to the early Miley Cyrus and Demi Lovato kind of stuff. Um, I I went through like a, what I call my rebellion days of listening to like Kesha <laughs> and and stuff like that. But other than that, like I I stuck. I I wasn't a rock and roll type of girl. I wasn't I wasn't a whatever metal or anything like I, I was pretty much I was the country girl I was the girl that showed up to school in cowboy boots like that was just that was just me everybody else looked at me like that's just Emily and and that was <laughs> it was just me <laughs> well there is something to being just you and obviously I'm guessing where you grew up outside of Cincinnati in Westchester Ohio probably played an impact with family things like that like so is that kind of where the country side came from or, or was it just how did how did you become country? I guess because when some people say Cincinnati, they're like, "That's a big city." But I mean, I know you. I know where Westchester is. I know that's on the outskirts, uh, and and there's a little more farmland out there too. Yes, uh, it, it was it was just kind of my family background. Um, I come from a long line of hog farmers, and um, my uh, my uncle is one of the largest hog producers in the state of Ohio. And then on top of that, my dad's entire side of the family is from Eastern Kentucky. And, um, and so just from the hills and then they, they migrated up to, um, to Cincinnati area, um, around the, around the area. And so it would, it's kind of a combination of everything. Like I said, we're, we're natural born he hauls, whether we want to, my mom, my mom's one of those people that she, she's like, hide your crazy and act like a lady. And she knows she gets, she's kind of gotten used to me now. Cause she knows that that's like, totally not me. I'm just like, what you see is what you get with me. <laughs> and, um, but she, she's definitely every once in a while, she's like, I don't sound like that. And then she'll say we was, and, and, and I'm like, that's not how you speak, Ma, if you want to act like you're not from the country. <laughs> you know, we're, we all grow up. We have weird sayings. Um, I, yep. I know you, you might not like to hear this because I, I believe you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, things like that. I've, I've looking at social media with, with that. I grew up near Pittsburgh, so I'm a, I'm a Steelers yeah. fan. So hopefully you won't leave the, the episode and you'll stick no, with me. You no, know, got, I've got a good story about the Steelers. So in my, <laughs> in my rebellion days... I decided to, um, I, you know, I, the Bengals are just natural born losers. Even through the Super Bowl, I well, first of all we were all shocked, and second of all we could take a loss in the Super Bowl because we're used to losing. You know, it's not it's not anything that's that great. Well, my um, I decided that I, you know what, I'm going to become a Steelers fan because the Bengals suck. So I bought I bought I had a Ruffelsberger jersey. And I also had a Steelers trash can, like a metal trash can. And let me tell you, my dad did not take my trash out for years. 
because of that trash can. <laughs> and so, and, and then it, he finally, once I moved away to college, there was no trash to take out. So he didn't have to worry about it. But, but yeah, that's my, that's my Steelers. My I Steelers. love that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And I, I've got, you know, now where I live in, in Kentucky and Lexington, obviously I have a lot of friends that are, are Bengals fans and we give each other a hard time, but I always like to tell them this while, yes, I'm a Steelers fan. I have the pirates to ground me uh, very well with their, their abilities to lose a lot. Same with the, <laughs> so. the only thing we have going for us is the Buckeyes and even them, they're kind of like these days. <laughs> So, well, but I, I mean, I was going to say, we say weird things in Pittsburgh. I, you know, I grew up in West Virginia, but I was above the Mason Dixon line. So people, I was a Yankee, even though I said weird things. So I, I get that. And, you know, I, I guess you were meant to though be in, in country music. If you were saying yeehaw and, you know, I mean, Eastern Kentucky farmland in Ohio, hog farming. Uh, when did you decide to make country music though a career? Cause I always feel like it's interesting when someone, goes from playing it or enjoying it to know this is kind of the route I really want to take. I'd say it was in high school was kind of when I, I, it, it was getting to the point where I thought I was going to do classical music because it, like I said, it was one of those things where I was just naturally gifted in it. And, um, and so then it got to the point where it was college time. And one of my, um, and we had been to Nashville many times. And I, when we came to Nashville for CMA Fest, and I um, I did the whole Ryman recording studio thing where you can go into the Ryman and record a song. And um, they give you a CD. And I thought I was like the hottest thing since Lost Bread, <laughs> you know. And and well, then uh, the I, in my one of my friends that was in choir with me in high school she found a school called belmont university in nashville and i was like oh my gosh and i i was started looking at the school and noticed they had a commercial um vocal performance major and where you sang commercial music and, and popular music and versus classical it was one of the only schools of its type and it was in Nashville and that's where I kind of I wanted to go and there was no way on God's green earth that my mom was going to let me come to Nashville without getting a college <laughs> degree first there was no way it took even me getting in the car and driving away without telling anybody for two hours in order for her to even let me audition for the school and give the thought and so it, it was a lot. And, um, and so it, it, at that point, I just kind of, I was like, well, it's not classical music anymore. I'm not, I'm not passionate about that. And I had a lot of people along the way, like my voice teacher that had been my voice teacher throughout all of high school and junior high. Um, she was very classical driven and she in some way shape or form kind of told me that I was making a big mistake and that I wasn't going to survive and um and I was like well I don't exactly think that classical music has the most jobs either I mean every <laughs> anything in music is challenging to get a job if it, it, it's anything creative in that world and so that kind of just solidified I'm like I'm I'm going I'm gonna do it and the rest is history yeah, you don't don't ever tell anyone that's got roots in in Appalachia or anything like that they can't do it because they they are bound and determined to to prove you wrong and I'm no guessing mom <laughs> I'm guessing mom came around to to the idea and and obviously you ended up going to to Belmont University, right? 
Yes, yes, she did. She did very quickly. And I mean, I, she now now she comes to every show. And now that her and my dad are retired, they um, they come down like once a month and come see me play and uh, find a show. And they'll travel all over just to watch me. And so, yeah, no, she's very, very proud. And and she she's on board now. We don't get me wrong. We still we still have our <laughs> arguments about the business, but she's come a long way in just allowing me to be me. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned being able to go to Belmont University and, and just also your career has allowed you between those two to, you know, learn, perform with some amazing folks, some Grammy Award winning uh, fiddle, fiddle, fiddle player, Tammy Rogers, King of the Steel Drivers, uh, Tim Watson, the fiddle man. Is that maybe where the fiddle's starting to come from? Or are you just watching them no. and want to do it? I just, I just love the fiddle. I've always loved the fiddle, but watching people like coming to Nashville and seeing the gifted fiddle players get up there and play and just own like I it just there's nothing better the minute they ask me when I'm in the studio like would you like to add fiddle to the song I'm like don't even ask just yeah the answer is yes <laughs> so well then that means you need to listen to the episode I just did with uh Fergal Scahill from the Wee Banjo 3 he plays fiddle the others play banjo and he is quite impressive so if you're looking for some inspiration maybe there but I mean learning from from folks like that I mean your vocal instructors down at at Belmont University as well you've had some pretty amazing ones I mean what was it like to to be able to learn and pull some knowledge from those folks incredible I, I I I wouldn't trade my time at Belmont for anything if anything I wish I could go back sometimes and re School was not my thing, but I now that I'm in the real world, I wish that I could go back and pay attention more and really soak in that time because the instructors and the people and just their their journeys and their careers and what they were able to come back and teach us was just incredible. And and I I wouldn't trade that time for the world. It taught me. 90% of everything I know. And so when I see people that haven't gone through that training and, um, and the experiences of Belmont that I have, it really, I'm, I always say that they, they're really missing out. Well, and then getting, I mean, those are folks that actually have industry driven knowledge. I mean, they've been around, they've been oh, through it and yeah. it's, it's not a, as folks, I talk about this on the other things that I do about, you know, with the, the just bourbon industry, oh, it looks fun on the front side, but man, when you got to actually make the product, it's totally different. I feel like that can work for music too, because it's, it's not all glamour all the time. And there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's, there's many behind the scenes moments that even I forget to share to show social media. And when, when I do share them, everyone's like, what in the world? Like, it's not, yes, I'm always decked out in glitter and rhinestones and I love to sparkle, but let me tell you, there's nothing glamorous about a flat tire making you miss the show. There's nothing glamorous about somebody yelling at you, annoying most of the time, men, unfortunately, yelling at you, saying something to you, catcalling you. There, there's nothing glamorous. Luckily, I am a very sassy soul, and I, my, my mother has taught me how to just give it right back it when needed. And so I can hold my own. And most of most of my band boys, 
if somebody says something to me, they first of all, they see it on my face very quickly. My face tells all. And second of all, they just know just if she needs us, she'll look over, but she can handle herself. And so, but there, there really is, it, it's, it's 50% glamorous, 50% like in the mud. Yeah, It's still a job. It's still a job. And it's, it's yeah. a, a tough ladder to, to climb as well, but you you seem to be doing great. You've got a, uh, you've released a video acoustic, um, cover of black velvet why 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 release that's that i mean it's not it's a cover but it's it i guess it goes back to some of the things you love right yeah i that song has i like i said i'm not a rock and roll like i i that kind of girl i wasn't raised on a lot of other stuff other than country and gospel music and um my one of my buddies and that I met through playing shows in South Carolina, um, one time I was on my way down and he messaged and he was like, you need to sing this song for me. And I have been requested this song thousands of times and I never knew it. And I never sat down and learned it. And I was like, you know what, for you, my dude, I, I will do it. And so we had another show the night before. And so the entire like three hours to our show, I just listened to it on repeat. And my guitar player at the time, he was like, can we please listen to something else? And I was like, no, I will learn <laughs> Can this. you put your headphones on? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, no, I'm the one that's driving. We will listen to this. And, um, and so anyways, and so I sat down and, or I was listening to it and I learned it and, uh, and the rest is history. I just, I love the song and I love once I kind of learned that, um, the background, like I didn't realize that it was about Elvis for a long time. And, um, and then once I learned that my dad was an Elvis impersonator back in, back in his dental school days, he used to travel <laughs> around. And so that kind of made the connection there. And, um, and, and so I just, and any song that allows me to just belt and just like go, um, I will say this song, all black velvet, when I'm performing it live always hits harder if there's at least around one shot of tequila in the system, I just like, it makes me want to get on my knees, you know, and just like wail. Like I just, it, it I, this song. It, so when I, when it came time to like sitting down and I have three videos coming out, um, it, one black velvet was the first one. And then I have two others. One's coming out, um, this coming Monday, August 29th. And, Ooh, uh, perfect. Right after this episode drops. So yeah. Yes, and that one's going to be um, a Jason Aldean cover, um, one of my favorite songs of all time, The Truth, um, and I played piano on it for the first time on camera, and it was it was fun, but um, it was, when, I, it, when it came time to picking out three songs that I knew I wanted to do videos for, um, Black Velvet was the very first one. And, um, I just the my guitar player in it. He just did phenomenal. And I, I can't say enough good things about it. The, the video crew and everything were the same people, um, that I had worked with prior to, with a, um, my song, take the trash out when I did, um, a video for it. And so they're so creative and I just had a blast. And so this song was one of those no brainers that I just did. And I'm so proud of it. Well, and you know, you, you do a little bit of, of that with those classical covers. You mentioned, you know, you love Reba, you love uh, some others. 
what draws you to those sounds? Is it that kind of storytelling? I mean, I know you grew up on it, but it's one thing to grow up on. It's another to want to perform them. Is it just that classic true? I mean, you're basically taking someone on a on a journey uh, through, through a song. Yes, and it, it definitely is the storytelling for me. And I think a lot of that stemmed actually from my classical training. Um, we like when you're singing in a foreign language and I always enjoyed singing in German and um I, I I'm not I don't speak any other I barely speak English I always say I speak more <laughs> I speak more American hee-haw than I do anything else you speak Appalachian yeah and um and and so I um the biggest thing for me in classical music was being able because no one understands what you're saying technically was to use your voice to emote and, and so I think that trans um, fired into my love of just being able to perform um, emotionally when it comes to country music and the phrases that I'm singing, um, being able, and a lot of the older country music, like the 80s and 90s and like even like the Patsy Cline stuff that I love singing that stuff you can just hear the dips and the emotion in the voice and those are some of my favorite singers not necessarily the amazing songwriters but the ones that can sit there and like tell the story in their voice and just using their voice and i think that was where i was really drawn to country music and that's where i take my own music and try to do well and see technically you could call yourself classical it's just classic country <laughs> yeah. You're not it's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Nobody needs to know any different. Exactly. Exactly. You can just, you know, big print, small print, no one knows. Um, you know, you, you also put out your debut EP, they say, back in February. Can you talk a little bit about that? How cool was it to be able to do that? Because not everyone's able to even put, you know, sometimes you can put out some singles, but to put them all together in an EP is, is, is pretty impressive. Yes, and if you would have told me five years ago even that I would be putting out an EP with my name and the fact that I wrote was a part of writing every single song on that EP, I would have told you you were nuts and because that, that just wasn't in my five-year vision plan, And but it became in my five-year vision plan and um, I all of those songs um, kind of tell in the way that they are on the the EP are tell the story kind of the evolution of my life and um, different stages that I have gone through in the last um, three four years now and um, to from Aveline um, to take the trash out mama calls me trouble or some of the last the last two that I wrote for the track for the project and though like just seeing the evolution evolution is that, is that the word? Yeah, yeah. There we go. I was like, okay. what's in that water? What is in that yeah, water? I, is it a little? Are you sure it's water? water? <laughs> I, maybe I just haven't had enough water. Maybe that's the problem. And uh, but as that goes, I, you can tell. I I hear it, and I hope that the listeners can hear it. Um, I go from being someone that's a little bit on the lost side to. Um, to just kind of owning myself and and knowing how to stand up for myself and when i wrote um my one of my favorite songs on there it's dear lonely it's one of my favorite songs i've ever written um that song was one of those that hit um emotionally deeper than just about anything has hit me in my life and um and i 
have that song has blessed and I'm so grateful that it has blessed a lot of people that have also dealt with addiction and problems in their life and that they're trying to sort out. And um and so really just the start of that to like I said take the trash out being what I call my sass jam and I'm kind of my sass anthem and just me not putting up with other people's crap and 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 taking it out and if I, if you would have told me when I would have graduated college in 2008 in 2018 to now um, that I can stand up for myself. And I even look back and I'm like, man, that's unfortunate that I didn't say something when I should have, um, to people and bosses in down in some of the bars that I played at, at Nashville, the, the way that they treated females or, and it's not even a female thing. Cause I, I, I don't consider myself a feminist. If I'm being honest, I, I, I don't do the whole picket sign kind of stuff. That's not me. And I, I really just don't care. And, but from starting with that and, and the way that I was treated when I first started out to now knowing that how I can stand up for myself in a song, like take the trash out, um, kind of just shows an evolution of me and the type of woman that I've kind of, I, I guess, become over the last few years. I was going to say, I mean, to, how, how much fun did you have writing a song like, you know, take the trash out? And, and I mean, I was, I mean, that was, was that something that came easily, unfortunately, or, or was it something that was a little more fun to write with some partners? Yes. Yes. It, it was very fun to write because my, my, my best friend in town, Drake Austin, who I wrote this song with, um, he, he was the one that came up with the idea of take the trash out. I was on my way to a show in Kentucky when he called me and he said, take the trash out. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> and he didn't tell me it was for a song. And then he told me, he was like, that just, it seems like it fits you. And at first I was like, are you trying to offend me here? Like telling me <laughs> that like, he's like, you've had a lot of tra trashy people in your life. And I was like, well, you're not wrong there. And, uh, and, and so we sat down and I'm one of those people and he, he's gotten to the point where now that's that we've written a ton and we have a lot of new stuff that um, we've written it. He's gotten to the point where now he understands that like, I'm not going to write something that isn't every line, my life in my story or something that relates to me and he is one of those people that can like hypothetically put something together and i'm not and so i was like he, he was like well let's gauge your inner whatever trashy man that you want to talk about <laughs> so that's what we did we just started doing that and out came maybe an hour or two later out came take the trash out and i, I haven't looked back since well, I always like asking this too because I'm always curious. Because when you're writing songs, it's always interesting to where you pull from. So, like you said, you, you it's a, it seems like it's a lot of personal ideas. Drake seems like you know it's an idea, it's something else. You can kind of take it. Maybe it's a fun line. I I, I loved um, talking to uh, Dane uh, Lewis uh, a while back, and he was like. Yeah, it, you knew what I was writing about because I came from a small town. I played it in a small town, and it wasn't hard to kind of figure it out. And I was like, "Oh, so what's it like, kind of sharing maybe some of those 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 things and and going through that process? If you're more of it's your life, and or at least what you would see as part of your life. You know, I I have not released any songs yet that I have been like 
scared to put out because somebody that I dated or something might hear it. I have So take the trash out is not written about anyone in particular then. It's it's kind of written about a collection of people more so than a specific person. And, and so, um, and, but we, that is one of those things is like, when it comes to like, like I said, like my song, Dear Lonely, like that's a hundred percent real life struggles in my life. And it, it, at first it was one of those things where I was like, but then I, I, I didn't know, but then it kind of, if you know me, you know that I'm an open book. And I went through a lot of struggles when I was in my mid-teens um, and um, I did a lot of things that, looking back, were pretty stupid. And, and I... And I could take those moments and keep them to myself and not allow people to see why I am the woman that I am today, or I can share them just point blank the way they are. And if, if, if you like me, great. If you don't like me, there's the door. You know, I, I can't, I can't worry about other people. I don't, I don't do judgment. I can't, I, I don't, when people are judging people, I don't, I can't do that. And I can't, I can't be around that type of thing. And so I just kind of do my thing and share my story. And um, the people, luckily, the people that have heard it um, have related and have taken me and have loved me for my struggles. And that's only going to allow me in the future with songwriting to just be even more expressive and share those details without a filter, which I, I don't really have a filter anyways. And so might as well continue that in songwriting. Cause I think that those are my favorite songs. The ones that people are a hundred percent and you get to, you get a kind of a glimpse into their life, but, and you're like, Oh, well their life's kind of like mine. Then those are, those are your favorite songs. At least they're, they're my favorite songs at the end of the day. No, to me, those songs tend to last a lot longer than, than something else. And they're, like you said, they're relatable. They're, they're something that folks can, you know, really attach themselves to see themselves in. And I think that's also where that songwriting, uh, thing comes back for, for you. And as we wrap up, Emily Miller com, Emily Miller official on social media as well. And what's next for you? What's the rest of 2022 look like? And obviously you mentioned some videos. You got one dropping the day before this episode technically drops. And then anything else coming along the way that you're allowed to say that won't get you in trouble by all the other people that you got to make sure you don't get in trouble with? <laughs> well, you know, I, there's always something brewing. Um, I, I'm not, I always say dates and then, you know, they never stick around. So I've tried to stay away unless they're written in stone. I try to stay away from the whole date dropping. And um, because in this world, in this industry, like you say something's going to drop in two weeks and then it drops in three months. You know, you just never know. <laughs> um, but I've got this video, like I said, it's coming out on Monday. And um, and then I have a my third video, which will be out in um, the first week of October. And um, it's already in the system, so I can say that. It's going to um, <laughs> it, it, it'll be out the first week of October. Um, it's a Reba 
one of my favorite Reba songs. Um, it's not fancy. I probably should have done fancy because if you know me, you know my favorite word of all time is fancy. My license plate's fancy. My guitar is named fancy. Everything about me is just, you know, I just consider it fancy. And uh, but and so I I recorded a, um, one of my favorite Reba songs. Um, and so that'll that'll be the third video out in October. And um, we are in the process of hopefully fingers crossed having a christmas song out to everybody this year and so i'm which i've never done a christmas song before i'm really excited about it if 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 everything goes well we will have a christmas song out at some point and so keep an eye out for that and other than that i'm just playing shows and going on vacation this Saturday. Um, we're going to what? the beach. Um, we're going to Hilton Head, and I'm very excited. And um, and so after that, it's just get the ball rolling until the end of the year. Just I play five shows a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, been writing and getting ready <laughs> to um, record new music. And this music, like I said, is more me than anything has ever been before and i am very excited about it and i'm excited to explore a new producer with this music and just get get things out to people and get new music out well i i gotta ask because you mentioned you know you've been writing you've been doing some things i mean does that mean at some point maybe next year maybe even the following because as you said think you just never know how, how things will break is the goal a full-length album and, and so forth you know, I could see that. Um, the thing is with independent artists like myself is studio time is expensive. It is very expensive. And so that's why a lot of independent artists, you don't see full-length albums come out very often. Um, but if the cards are aligned, then we might just have that. I At this point, right now, at this point, I'm just writing to get material and to find my next path of where music's going to take me. And with what I've got so far and the feedback that I've gotten from a few live show performances, I think people are really going to like this new stuff. And um, and it's just kind of, it's it's funky, it's, it's crazy, it's, it's Emily, you know, it's just one of a kind. It's a little bit of sass, a little bit of attitude yeah. and, uh, you're, you're going to get you, you're going to get yeah. you. And, and that, that, to me, that's a good thing. That's a, always a good thing when you, you can shine through and, and Emily, I appreciate this. Like I said, Emily Miller official.com Emily Miller official on social media. And, and thanks for sharing some water. I had a little bit stronger water. There's ice cubes in here. I promise. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.